0: everyone, this is Gary Bean welcoming you to the LL Research Law of One podcast, episode number 92. LL Research is a nonprofit dedicated to freely sharing spiritually oriented information and fostering community. And towards this end, it has two websites, the archive website, llresearch.org, and the community website, bringforth.org. Today I am joined by the usual scoundrels, Jim McCarty and Austin Bridges, and we are also joined by special guest Aaron Merritt. In this podcast, we discuss spiritual topics through the lens of the law of one and our own personal experiences. Our hope only is to offer a resource and provide discussion and no way to present ourselves as authorities with the final word on these subjects. Please, as always, exercise your utmost discernment when you listen to us talk and ramble. Many of these topics come from or are inspired by seekers. If you have a question on a topic you'd like for us to discuss, please send it in. You can email us at contact at llresearch.org or go to llresearch.org slash podcast for further instructions. Again, I'm Gary Bean, and this is LL Research's Law of One podcast. To give a quick thumbnail about this entity who is with us today, Aaron Merritt is an avid student of the Law of One. And he is known internationally, (laughs) or at least to (laughs) us, for um, having seated a Law of One study group in his hometown located in in Western North Carolina called Asheville. And uh, from four years ago to today, uh, the study group that he seated and is stewarded by others in the community has met every single week I think, without exception, with maybe one time it was canceled due to weather, to continually study the law of one. They started with session one. They read every Q&A, interjecting commentary and questions. And when they reached session 106, like three years later, two and a half, they loop back to one and they intersperse that with um, community care as well. A long check-in for everybody to t- to um, share what's up in their lives. And, and finally, he um, has also been a supporter of LL research. Aaron is responsible for having created from scratch the cover art to the Rock contact books, both volumes one and two. And he took Julie Joy's artwork to make the cover design for LL's newest book, A Concept Guide. So <laughs> thank you, Aaron, for being with us today.
1: Oh, it's such a pleasure. Thank you for having me. I really enjoy uh, gathering in this way with, uh, with with you all who I respect so much.
0: With that, is everybody ready to go? Ready. I'm ready. Ready to go. All right. For today, I've chosen to focus on a phrase that Ra coined, or at least Ra's the only one I know to have said it. Uh, they likened the situation with regard to polarity on planet Earth as a, quote, sinkhole of indifference so that's going to be our focus for today and i'm going to open with the question asking all of us what is the sinkhole of indifference how did it come to be why of all things Ra could have named it did they call it a sinkhole of indifference um jim do you have any thoughts on that
2: yes i have a few thoughts um but they're just thoughts so uh here we go I think that the sinkhole indifference difference may have some basic origins in our economic system where our culture and most others of this world as well have the primary focus on making money and making a living. What little spirituality there is in our various planetary cultures is mostly relegated to one day a week when limited church attendance in any particular religion rarely focuses on seeing the creator in all people. We are all educated to participate in the manner of our economic system, where everyone is encouraged to find a place to make the system work. Jobs for the best competitors in the capitalistic tradition and rewards according to how you fit in. Instead of seeing the creator in all people, racism and exclusion of people who are seen as lesser is a cornerstone of such a system because the capitalistic economy needs cheap labor often child labor from poorer countries at the lowest levels to do the grunt work cheaply. So I would say it is possible that a goodly portion of the sinkhole of indifference could be the result of our capitalistic economy and how our multinational corporations promote the making of money as our primary goal in life. Ross suggested a similar situation in Egypt at the time of Akhenaten, As Don queried Ra about the root cause of disease and short lifespans of the Egyptians then. And Ra said, The root cause in this particular society was not so much a bellicose action, although there were, shall we say, tendencies, but rather the formation of a money system and a very active trading and development of those tendencies towards greed and power. Thus, the enslaving of entities by other entities and the misapprehension of the Creator within each entity. So we also see this focus upon money and away from seeing the creator in each other's self caused a drop in the lifespan after the second 25,000 year major cycle. At the end of the cycle, the lifespan on earth had dropped from 700 years to less than 100 years about what it is now. When Don asked Raw if this reduced lifespan was due to a lack of service to others, Raw said that was partially correct and went on to enumerate a list of reasons that seemed to me, To create the conditions for a sinkhole of indifference regarding following a path of polarization in consciousness, as Ross said in session 22. By the end of the second cycle, the law of responsibility had begun to be effectuated by the increasing ability of entities to grasp those lessons which there are to be learned in this density. Thus, entities had discovered many ways to indicate a bellicose nature, not only as tribes or what you call nations, but in personal relationships, each with the other. The concept of barter having given way in many cases to the concept of money. Also the concept of ownership having won ascendancy over the concept of non ownership on an individual or group basis. Each entity then was offered many more subtle ways of demonstrating either service towards others or service to self with the distortion of the manipulation of others. As each lesson was understood, those lessons of sharing, of giving, of receiving, in free gratitude, each lesson could be rejected in practice. Without demonstrating the fruits of such learned teaching, the lifespan became greatly reduced, for the ways of honor duty were not being accepted. So it seems to me that since manipulation and control of all other selves is the path to negative polarization, I have a feeling that the Orion entities have utilized the money system to attempt, first of all, to establish a larger portion of their empire on earth by being able to control economies and therefore the thinking within the various countries on Earth. And if they cannot get a completely negatively oriented planet on Earth, then at the very least, they will have created a full of indifference regarding not being able to see the Creator in all other cells and thereby reduce the positive harvest drastically and necessitate further repetition of third density by the majority of Earth's populations. And that is a form of control that increases their negative polarity. So those are my thoughts on the possible causes of the sinkhole of indifference. Lots of juicy
0: stuff in there. Thank you, Jim. And it just occurred to me that a listener of the podcast who also listens to the Rock Contact audiobook may uh, blend those two as they listen to you read a rock quote. Because if you don't know, Jim narrated the Rock Contact audiobooks. So, um, Aaron, what do you think?
1: Well, I guess my first—the first thing I will say is um, just an appreciation for what I was hearing Jim share. Just the—it just seems so obvious. The economic system that's been at play, you know, capitalism, and the focus on, uh, you know, what what it is that we focus on on Earth for so long. Because uh, I, as I was contemplating this question coming into our conversation today, I think my mind uh, was gravitating towards more. <laughs> metaphysical and abstract um, implications of this concept of the sinkhole of indifference. Um, and I um, i think it's just such a, it's, it's, it gets my attention a lot, uh, this question of the sinkhole of indifference and how to be, specifically how to be a positive um, contributor in the midst of this uh, phenomenon, like how does one you know if we are in this sinkhole of indifference, how, how do we make a difference? How do we stand for something and try to try to make our own small contribution to shifting that? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, this is a question I think about a lot. Um, in terms of you know what is the sinkhole of indifference and how did it come to be? Um, one of the things that I've been contemplating is um, the veiling. Uh, that Ra teaches about uh, and, you know, the fact that before the veil, before the veiled condition of third density, um, an earlier portion of the galactic experience, um, the earlier, you know, logoic experiments uh, of third density, there was no veil. And in the unveiled experience, there was no possibility um, to experience oneself as separate from the creator. And from my understanding in that uh, experience, there was only the possibility, there was not the possibility yet of um, negative polarization, but there was a similar uh, parallel of, uh, there was a sinkhole of bliss maybe, or a sinkhole (laughs) of uh, of non-polarization of the third density entities who were, who did found themselves in the condition of feeling so secure and so connected that they weren't um, they weren't necessarily evolving as quickly as maybe the logos <clears throat> um, uh, suspected could you know could be developed uh, quickened and so uh, yeah, I've been contemplating uh the how we're now in a maybe maybe the pendulum has swung maybe the mm-hmm. in the evolution of a whole logoic creation as logoi uh, sub logoi um, refine the original, uh, creation of our, of our galactic logos and, uh, figure out ways to give the creator the experience of itself in more vivid, uh, and more vivid detail and more, uh, yeah, just variety. Um, the development of our current, um, experiment that we, that we are within the veiled experiment, maybe the pendulum swung from, sinkhole of bliss and non-polarization because of so much security and uh, the, the absolute knowing of connection with creator to our veiled condition uh and and um the the slowness of polarization or the lack of polarization that our third density uh inhabitants seem to be um under and also i guess from what we learned the seated half of the seated population of their density souls were from other planetary experiences uh, where they weren't they weren't sufficiently polarized in those uh, planetary environments to make graduation from third to fourth and so needed to repeat um yeah so um I yeah that's one of the things that I was thinking about was the the how did it come to be uh, on a lo- very long time scale related to Uh, the prevailed condition and how the veil is what seems to be the primary mechanism that allows us to sort of get stuck here um, by not choosing sufficiently one polarization or another.
0: Excellent thought about the sinkhole of bliss. that had never occurred to me.
3: Um, Austin, what do you think? Uh, Just to double check, the prompt was, what is it? How did it come to be? And why did Ra name it? so? Yeah. Okay. Um, Yeah, those are both really excellent responses. And I like Aaron's reflection about um, Jim's response, where Jim talked about the very practical sort of possible origins of the single of indifference. And then Aaron's response was more along the metaphysical. And I think it's hard to sort of place one of those before the other and i tend to think that the whatever physical manifestation is based upon a metaphysical sort of seed so when talking about something like our economic system or capitalism it makes me ask the question well what did that spring from why is that here but jim's talked about how the system does perpetuate this sort of indifference where it does seem like the way that the economy and just our whole interconnected society is set up seems to be designed to keep us in a an indifferent state kind of it disconnects us from each other. It disconnects us from the source of our food, whatever products we're buying, things like that. And I think that disconnection perpetuates the state of indifference because, you know, it's hard to care about um, like Jim referenced child labor. It's hard to care about the child who is making our products when we have absolutely no reference for who they are, where they're from. You know, we have a single uh, label on our shirt that says made in X country that probably has very lax labor laws. And um, that's the only reference we get for who's making our clothes. So I think that whether it's really intentionally designed or not, I think that system definitely perpetuates an indifference. It really helps keep us from considering our relationship with our other selves, which Ra talks about the relationship with other selves really being the basis for polarity. It's how we relate to others that determines whether we are positively or negatively oriented. So I think that's a really insightful um, point about it. Um, In terms of how did it come to be, I think Aaron was referencing the sort of chronic repeater syndrome that a lot of entities on Earth have, where according to Ra, we have a lot of entities here on Earth that have come from other third density planets who have failed to polarize there. And so they seem to have sort of brought um, a gravity of indifference with them possibly. And uh, there's have a certain inertia that they brought. And on top of that, Ra talks about how the fact that there are so many different planetary influences on Earth creates a sort of confusion here. And I think confusion also perpetuates indifference. Um, If we can't really get our bearings and find a basis to grasp, catalyst, and polarize, then it makes sense that we would just remain unpolarized. Um, And then as for why Ron named it the sinkhole of indifference, um, you know, there's two sorts of sinkholes, I think, that we think about. Um, One is the kind that kind of opens up suddenly, such as uh, underneath the Corvette Museum here in Kentucky and destroyed a bunch of Corvettes in Bowling Green not too far from here but uh, looking up definitions I found a more general definition is it's just sort of a hole or a depression into which sort of drainage flows towards and settles into and I think that's definitely the more accurate definition in this sense in that it is sort of um, I also see it as a gravity well it sort of things flow towards it it has this pull towards it and then it's whatever is flowing towards it, like water from drainage, it settles into the bottom and it just stays there. And then it takes effort to move out from that sinkhole. And then the indifference part, I think is obvious. It's sort of you don't really have an inclination or a bias towards other beings in one way or the other. You probably have thoughts about serving others. You probably have thoughts about serving self, but you haven't really dedicated yourself to the one path or the other because you were mostly indifferent to your environment and the things around you. And you're sort of uh, geared more towards, I think Ross said comfort was the the tendency of unpolarized individuals. So you geared more towards your own comfort rather than controlling other selves or serving other selves. And I think that's about it for now. Thanks, Austin. And uh, thank you, Aaron
0: as well, I hadn't thanked you so yeah thank you all three i think that this question is really to explore it fully would be to kind of diagnose what's wrong with the world which is something a variety of people have opinions or speculations about and I, it's a hard to come to a right or complete answer because as even ross said in all their considerable Ability and the scope of their perspective. They cannot plumb the depths of distortions which as they said infect our peoples um, All of which seem to Kind of center in this uh, Notion of sinkhole of indifference and on a more basic level that I didn't that was present in all three of your replies but I didn't hear explicitly is a Definition of the sinkhole um, that sees that third density is designed to precipitate a choice. Either the entity chooses service to others or service to self. Ra gave vibratory rates for those two polarities. They said 51% service to others or 95% service to self. If an entity reaches that vibratory level, then they have successfully learned the lessons of their density. And at the time of, harvest or graduation they um, graduate from third density and move on to fourth the difficulty with this planet is that there's a massive unpolarized middle where uh, like austin aaron and jim were describing people are not making the choice one way or the other not choosing service to others not choosing service to self and austin mentioned how it's one can see our disconnected state as a huge contributing factor and i agree completely and said how it's for instance in our economy it's almost designed to keep us indifferent and jim speculated how part of that design is intentional you know maybe on behalf of orion powers and i agree that there is an intentionality to it um, behind influencers and people who prefer this condition but there's i think our indifference is also including our economy is also a consequence of the apathy and the comfort seeking and this particular q a speaks to what characterizes the sinkhole most to me Uh, Ra said in talking about our practice of medicine and its allopathic manifestation that sees the body as a machine they say we note that your societal complex is seemingly dedicated to the most intransigent desire for distraction anonymity and sleep intransigence is a word that can mean unwillingness or refusal to change one's views or to agree about something and that that word adju- or that word "intransigence" to me speaks to the tenacity of this sinkhole for for this distraction, for this anonymity and conformity and comfort and non-conscious living that results in the sinkhole. And there are multiple terms that Ra could have used to name it. Uh, I appreciated Austin's exploration of what sinkhole meant um, but they also could have called it an abyss of apathy and I think that might have been true as well or a canyon of choice avoidance or ditch of distraction and I think Ra <laughs> should have gone with some alliteration would have had a greater touch to it um, I One other lens that occurs to me before I sign off on my reply when examining the sinkhole of indifference is that Rod describes a process of reincarnation whereby at the beginning of third density, the, the mind-body-spirit complex upon cessation of the yellow ray, AKA when they die, the new incarnation occurs automatically fairly quickly and not really by the entity's own choice because the choices are being arranged for them by way of the higher self. How does the entity stop the automatic incarnating process so that they get behind the driving wheel and make their own choices about the coming incarnation? Ra says the, the index for that, at least for the positive polarity, is the activation of the green ray So when one learns to open their heart, then they have become conscious enough that they begin to design their own incarnations. And then tellingly, uh, Don asked Ra, at this time in our cycle, and this is 1981, near the end, what percentage of the entities approximately incarnating are making their own choices? Ra says, the approximate percentage is 54%. Meaning in 1981, 46% of the people on earth which totals billions was had not yet activated green ray sufficient to plan their own incarnations and i imagine that many of these constitute what ra calls this sinkhole of indifference and whether it's applicable to uh, the unpolarized of any third density or or just ours. It's particularly apt for ours because as uh, Aaron was noting uh, There are this this sinkhole is not did not begin here on earth. It was carried over from previous planets and previous conditions of not making this choice But anyway on this particular question do you guys have any more to offer?
2: No, nope,
3: not for me. All Just right. a, a oh, random God. note. It's uh, not very relevant, but you talked about Raw not choosing the catchiest phrase for it. <laughs> but I was surprised in researching this topic to find that the phrase sinkhole of indifference was only used once in the entire material. And even mm-hmm. the word indifference was barely mentioned. And yet it is such a ubiquitous concept at least among the three of us i suppose but i feel like among the general law of one community that um it's such a relevant thing for it only to have been said once uh, so much so that the three of us me jim and aaron failed to define it explicitly just assuming that everybody's on the same page and everybody knows what the sinkhole of indifference was despite it being you know there's less about that than there is about bigfoot <laughs>
0: That's a great way to frame it. Yeah, I love those little surprises in the material. You go searching for something and you're like, wow, like learning that Rod never said law of free will except mimicking Don, but otherwise said the law of confusion and so forth. But um, yeah, you're right. Even if said explicitly just once, it's such a key feature to the state of planet Earth, why wanderers are here, and so much that occurs in our everyday lives and from the macro scheme of things as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the things that I think um, contributes to how how does the sinkhole of the difference come to be, um, I mean, I definitely think Jim's response points directly to this as well, but um, it just, it, it seems like when we survey uh, both current, kind of um, cultural outputs and what, you know, what, what does humanity focus on as well as looking back through history. uh, There's just such a preponderance of focus on the material. Um, And uh, that's reflected in, I think, the very intimate experience of what individuals focus on. And there's just so much identification with body. And um, I feel like for most earth humans, you know, the, the core identity, the sense of self is so tied up in the body. And and then, you know, like you were mentioning, Gary, the, the comforting of the body and the way that we uh, put so much of our time and attention on uh, comfort seeking, which is a really body and material focused uh, kind of approach. And it seems like, although, um, you know, third density, I think it's very appropriate for there to be a lot of lessons in, um, in the experience of, uh, being veiled from our subconscious being veiled from the spiritual realms, uh, from time, space, uh, in our conscious mind. Um, it, it does seem like to polarize, uh, is to in some way begin to interact with, um, the spiritual realm or the sort of, at least start leaning towards um, in, you know, in service to other, the faculty of faith and the faculty of um, kind of moving in ways that don't necessarily make sense in in a materialistic body oriented society. Um, and so, you know, I, I feel like something that, that keeps us stuck in the the mode of not choosing and not polarizing is just the inertia of being immersed in a society and in a civilization that has so much focus on the material um, and it shows up in our you know in our sciences and technologies and um, i feel like that contributes to the inertia um, so that was one thing i wanted to mention the other point is a bit of a experimental notion and it's it feels a little Uh, uh, I really have no idea if this bears any weight or not, but when I was kind of contemplating this morning, these questions and reading through some passages from the law of one. um, And I was thinking about, you know, well, in our solar system, is it just, is it just really, is it just really hard to polarize? And I was reflecting like, well, but Ra's experience of third density on Venus seems to have been quite rapid and quite, um, harmonious. It seems like they report that they were able to um, fairly, in fairly short order harmonize their intention to be uh, positively polarizing. Um, so it's, it doesn't seem like the sinkhole of indifference is a condition that is built into our solar system, planet in our solar system. And then I was sort of zooming out in scope and thinking about Mars and Maldek, and I pulled up a, a map of the solar system just to remind myself, where are all these planets relative to the sun? How, which ones are closer and which ones are further away? And it just dawned on me that um, Venus is the closest to the sun and then comes Earth and then Mars and then Maldek. And it's like, there is a little bit of a, sem- a sense that um, at least of the four um, planets that have hosted their density uh, that we know about in our solar system, uh, the closest one to the sun had the most seamless experience of uh, avoiding the sinkhole of indifference. Um, it appears as though Earth is going to avoid <laughs> planetary annihilation, self-destruction, uh, fingers, fingers crossed, crossed knock <laughs> on wood, uh, which is a better fate than Mars, the next planet out uh, had where they, they you know, through war and through the inability to kind of point the needle in at least in uh, the direction of the service to uh, service to others, uh, blew off their atmosphere and made the conditions no longer habitable on their planet for life. And then Maldac suffered the worst fate, which was they uh, annihilated their planet uh, through war. And so I don't know if that bears any weight, but I wanted to bring up the the just at least uh, you know the the idea that it's it doesn't seem to be built in to you know our sublogos or something. It, it is. Uh, you know, there is the ability for a planet. We know through, through Ra's example, there's the ability to avoid the sinkhole of indifference.
0: That is a fascinating theory. And by that chain of logic, then Uranus is screwed.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I had thought I had thought something similar. I'm like, wow, that, that could be really hard if they ever make it to third density.
0: I say that for the reader who's unaware that Ross said that Uranus holds the potential to eventually form a third density <laughs> and they're pretty far away. Yeah, you're right. There is a progression um, among those four correlating, you know, who know correlation doesn't equal causation, but at least correlating to distance from the logos. It's a fascinating thought.
2: But then what do you say about Saturn?
0: It uh, didn't have a third density to get into a sinkhole with, unless the, the council has their own apathy issue. Yeah, uh, uh, Jim mentioned Saturn because according to Ra, there is a council of higher density beings who uh, not just council, actually, the confederation itself, their HQ is associated with that planet apparently well both um jim's and aaron's reply really segue into the next sub focus of this topic which is on the question about how we see the sinkhole manifesting in our world today and third in 2000 in 2020 um austin do you have any ideas about how the sinkhole is visible to us?
3: Yeah, I think a lot of it has really been touched on already. Um, you know, Aaron brought up again, the tendency of comfort seeking. And I think the plethora of just consumer products that we have available to offer us comfort and uh, apathy. Um, you know, I, it seems to me that society has moved in a direction that Uh, increases more and more our ability to sit on our butts and stare at something while staying still. Um, And I feel like that is, you know, not necessarily the most comfortable for everybody, but just in general terms, like just sitting on a really fluffy couch at home, watching a very comforting TV show, um, that seems to be, at least in the United States, one of the primary hobbies that people engage in on a nightly basis. And this tendency, I think, is a self-perpetuating thing that then reduces our ability to interact with others and uh, experience catalyst that allows us to then make some sort of decision. So I think uh, the consumer culture, how we uh, spend our time in general is one way it manifests. Um, I'd say Jim's response to the first question is a really insightful examination of how it manifests in terms of like economic uh, inequality and things like that. I think uh, is really interesting examination there. Um, so besides that, I don't have a whole lot more to offer for that question. Who would you pass it off to? Thank you very much. I pick... Jim?
2: (laughs) Well, I think that everybody that comes into the third density illusion has made uh, certain pre-incarnative choices that correspond to the lessons that they wish to learn in order to make that graduation into the fourth density. And sometimes, uh, even though our subconscious minds bias the way each of us sees our catalyst, and our opportunity to polarize our consciousness in the positive sense, free will does indeed reign supreme in all the universe. Every person is free to reject any or all of the pre-incarnative catalysts and choices, and concern themselves only with the matters of the mundane world. Distraction, separation, and so forth. So. It's almost as if the inability, uh, this has been mentioned before, of many of our population to make the harvest on other third density planets has kind of an inertia, as I think it was mentioned, regarding being able to choose the path of service and to polarize effectively. Uh, Rob made a comment about why that is. And they said, uh, when there is no progress, those conditions which grant progress are gradually lost. This is one of the difficulties of remaining unpolarized, and the chances, shall we say, of progress becomes steadily less. So that seems to create a sinkhole of indifference, and um, here we are.
0: (laughs) Thank you, Jim. Aaron, how do you see it manifesting in our world?
1: Yeah, well, um, yeah, I think I'll just pick up where where Jim left his last thought was, you know, the inertia and uh, the phenomenon that Ra describes of, you know, kind of, if you don't use it, you lose it in terms of, in terms of the conditions um, conducive to polarization. Um, I, it makes me think of, I've listened to a lot of uh, Scott Mandelker's lectures on the different sessions of the law of one. And something that uh, Scott talks about pretty regularly is, you know, his sense that on a planet like ours where we have you know a mixed we have mixed polarization most of the population being unpolarized those are like the, from his opinion those are like the prime conditions for manipulation uh, of, of a negative nature mm-hmm. um you know the, 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 the less polarized uh, a population is it seems like the more probability or ease there is for um, you know engineering social engineering let's call it and so, you know, if we've been kind of, if we've been over a long span of time, if our planetary population has been, you know, caught in the sinkhole for a long period of time, and it sort of just gets harder and harder to exit the sinkhole, it seems like it, you know, if, if, if what Scott, you know, holds is true, to, is, is actually true, which makes sense to me, it, it also, not only the metaphysics of just self exiting the sinkhole become more difficult and challenging, but the, uh, the resistance to that and the, the, the way that uh, you know, whatever influences that don't want you know, the masses to sort of awaken and polarize positively to be able to keep the sleepers asleep just becomes greater and greater, those conditions of, um, of uh, the capacity to be influenced. And um, one of my uh, one of the things that I've kind of looked at and studied over the years in my path of awakening that pertains more to the outer awakening, um, looking at the trends of the world and uh, things we weren't taught in school. And I, um, you know, I I learned about. There's a fellow in the early 1900s, an, an American named Edward Bernays, who was uh, kind of the the father of the PR. The advertising and marketing industry, and it, there was a, a documentary that showcased uh, the successes that he had in being able to influence mass public consciousness and therefore mass uh, behavior. And um, he was, you know, quite successful in a number of different um, campaigns to do so. And it just occurs to me that that was, uh, you know, uh, it's become an industry, um, and that was 100 years ago, and there. There have been strides and and uh, improvements to technology deployed in that industry to you know affect mass consciousness, and so just knowing that there are um, you know explicitly there are there are people whose livelihoods and whose uh, attention and effort go into uh, manipulating and uh, using human psychology to affect covertly uh, human behavior um, is. You know, it's a bit unsettling, uh, but for me, it was helpful in that it um, it kind of gave me the opportunity to, be, to really like, okay, I need to call myself to myself. I need to like really pay attention to what's happening in my own psychology. How am I being influenced? Um, and kind of like take responsibility for my thoughts and my inner landscape. And then, you know, do what I can to help others along in that process, Um but just the awareness that there is, there certainly are pretty powerful influences that uh, come to bear on the collective, uh, you know, psychology, and those influences just seem to be increasing with social, you know, with the increase of you know the internet and uh, social media and just all the ways that uh, our attention is is able to be influenced and mass. Um, and so I think uh, I, I don't know if it's true, but it seems like it's. It's possibly true that the sinkhole of indifference just gets, you know, harder and harder to exit, and is we're at a point now where um, it's it's a really it's the gravity well is strong, it would seem.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: To springboard off of what you were saying regarding advertising and the wide-scale manipulation of human psychology through pr firms and vested commercial or even governmental military interests took me immediately to the matrix and in the metaphor of that movie uh, humanity is in an illusion of is in a design construct whereby they all believe that they have free will but in truth once the first level of truth that neo awakens to they are actually just batteries on this farm uh, feeding the machines by their existence and by their living and likewise in our third density world i see advertising as one of the means of wide scale manipulation in order to convert Um, the unpolarized middle of humanity, for the most part, though it affects all of us, into battery generating entities and battery in terms that we are providing energy and capital to um, negative power structures and in order to enrich those at the top. And our media and our, the advertising industry are absolutely—I would highlight a couple of big ways that these sinkhole manifest. And then, once in that sinkhole, we seem to have a collective confusion about values and ethics, and, um, not because the there are a diversity of values and ethics just that it's hard for any kind of collective narrative to congeal or coalesce around a basic set of values we do seem to have some common denominator values regarding you know individual liberty and um slavery is bad and some areas of sovereignty but (laughs) even then um it's hard to agree how those are applied and um i see it manifest too in the the shallow relationships that we that so many of us experience with other people um which are not catalyst using relationships you know, and instead of using the material that the relationship generates in order to polarize and make the decision to serve others, instead, uh, the relationship is usually valued along the lines of either what can it bring to the self or how comfortable can it be made or how can it feed my, I don't know, <clears throat> how can I offer protection, how can it give me some level of gratification and so forth. So we don't, a lot of people don't get to know other people, much like they don't get to know themselves because of this all-consuming, seemingly, um, gravity well. And you, I see it manifested in terms of our, uh, like Ross said, the way that we, treat health and well-being and see the body as merely this, uh, as Aaron was noting, this this uh, vehicle of the material realm. That's not a good way to put it. As this strictly biological mechanism, wherein there is little link between mind and body and wherein there are not deeper underlying metaphysical causes for physical symptoms. Instead, as a machine, we uh, pump it full of strong chemicals in order to hide things or correct imbalances. And I see it in the trauma that is so prevalent today and has historically been so prevalent, prevalent by groups and by individuals. Um, in fact, Don in 8327 is asking a question about what he sees as a condition of runaway pain on this planet, there's uh, this so much pain, and he's Don's asking Ra, why? What's what's the value of this? And and Ra replies, you may see in some cases an entity which, either by pre-incarnative choice or by constant reprogramming while in incarnation, has developed an insuriant program of catalyst. Insuriant can mean greedy or hungry, so the entity is is hungry to create a program of catalyst that will help it evolve. Such an entity is quite desirous of using the catalyst and has determined to its own satisfaction that what you may call the large board needs to be applied to the forehead in order to obtain the attention of self in these cases, it may indeed seem a great waste of the catalyst of pain. And uh, basically one may feel the tragedy of so much pain being experienced by the other self. However, it is well to hope that the other self is grasping that which it has gone to some trouble to offer itself. That is the catalyst which it desires to use for the purpose of evolution. So all these entities in the sinkhole of indifference on a deeper soul level, they want to make the choice. They they have the original desire embedded in their soul's genetic code, so to speak, that upward spiraling light has an inevitable upward vector that is calling them forth to use catalysts and graduate this density and move on to the next. But they come incarnation, they get sucked into the sinkhole. So um, Ra, in the quote I just read, described how the entity can program for trauma and program for intense pain as a mechanism of a two by four to the head, like wake up, pay attention, uh, make effort, get out of this sinkhole. And because so many are in this condition that Rock called once, the sinkhole of indifference, trauma uh, then is likely to be frequent because they're not using um, instead of they i should say we we're not using catalysts so efficiently so as a result uh, we experience trauma and in fact ross said it is to be noted that among your entities a large percentage of all progression has as catalyst trauma so this world is a very painful place full of misery and and suffering often and that is has a direct connection to the condition of non-polarization on this planet Hmm. So before we move on to how it, if we see any influence on us, do you guys have any further thoughts?
3: Yes. Go for it. I feel like we could, I'd love to spend an episode talking about this particular point. Um, Because what Aaron brought up, the social engineering aspect of the sinkhole of indifference and the potentials for social engineering are really relevant right now, I think. Really important, and they've been on my mind a lot. And I think it's really um, uh, relevant and poignant to point out that the uh, state that we find ourselves in where, um, this is just my personal perspective, but the what we call the culture war, particularly here in the United States, seems to be at such a stalemate Uh, people are just so dug in to particular ideologies that I feel like that is possibly a result of the sinkhole of indifference that there's really this lack of individual thought Um, I realize what I'm saying sounds probably very misanthropic and I promise I'm not that misanthropic, but looking at things on a wide scale seems like there is such a lack of um, assessing our situation and instead just uh, holding fast to ideologies without uh, concern for an actual individual or group of people in any given situation. And I think that it has gotten to a point, uh, it's getting a little bit worse. I see the internet as something that has great potential in both directions. The internet can help connect us and help us uh, see other people in ways that we've never seen them before and has this great potential for the collective to polarize through the internet because we're connected in ways that we've never been connected in before. But on the other hand, we've also seen in the past um decade or so the in- immense potential for the internet to be a tool of social engineering and how it can influence things on such a great scale how just a few individuals can really change the course of the history of the world through manipulating uh, online discourse um it's uh, insane where we are right now and i think that uh is relevant to the point you were just making, Gary, about um, trauma and the two by four to the forehead. I think that we're at a place right now where it's not just individuals, but we as a collective have possibly planned for certain traumas and certain catalysts to try to break us from this collective uh, ideological strangle that we have on ourselves. And particularly right now, as we record this episode, you know there have been a couple recent uh, really big collective traumas that we're still going through um, particularly here in the united states that i think are really calling us calling us as a society to question like why are we at such a stranglehold in our culture where um w- we are just at each other's throats in terms of these issues that just seem so obvious to both sides. Both sides feel like, you know, their perspective is so the obvious right perspective. And I really think that those are just collective two by fours to the forehead asking us to uh, ask those questions that Aaron was talking about like, where is our psychology being manipulated? Where is. Where am I being dogmatic about my ideology? And where am I not really thinking for myself in these scenarios? Um, So I think we're going through a sort of collective uh, trauma to help get us as a collective out of the sinkhole of indifference.
0: The underlying fractures and dead ends of collective thought, like you described, Austin, dogmatic ideologies are definitely being made more visible. For those with the eyes to see. All right, I'll take that to mean everybody's ready to move on. Sounds good. Yep. Yeah, thanks for that, Riff Austin. So does the does this condition called the sinkhole of indifference exert any influence on us? in our own daily lives as as jim austin aaron and and me Uh, i'll start this one off and say that yes (laughs) it absolutely does Um, when i examine my own life patterns i do i see a lot of conscious effort on my part to polarize, to seek, to serve others, whether that's expressed in meditation or spiritual study or examining myself and relationships for the best use of catalysts to figuring out how to open my heart and forgive, even when it's really, really difficult. Uh, I see good work and I give myself credit where I'm doing it. But I also see um, comfort seeking and distraction particularly with the <laughs> with that device that seems attached to me all the time called the smartphone. But I did, there's a discussion to be had of a balance between self-care and other self-care. And it is, I, particularly in this world where we are so overstimulated and bombarded with stressful things, with nerve-wracking things, with things that are hard to hear and hard to bear, whether in our like in our own personal spheres or or in the greater world at large, that one needs to shut the brain off and become a vegetable every once in a while. At least I do, but I have to ask myself, like, how lulled am I by media, by hype and sensation, um, and how much do I avoid social engagement? because of this sinkhole of indifference, uh, either as a protective means or uh, because it's comfortable at times not to engage. And and what else did I want to say? Oh yeah, and how much do I become, uh, like Austin was describing and hearing about uh, child labor that among, a seeming infinite number of injustices and wrongs and imbalances and points of suffering in this world. Like, how benumbed am I to all of it? Because it's just, you know, it's too much, it's impersonal, it's overwhelming. And I think that could be a, a function of the sinkhole. How. Uh, I have perennially had a challenge with where activism fits into the law of one. And I think it's a topic we've discussed long ago on this program, but like, am, am I afraid to step out and exercise my voice and share my light because of the conformity, uh, the unconscious enforcement of conformity of, of this sinkhole? I don't wanna, I wanna be anonymous. In a way, I I don't want to stand out and be targeted. So I don't, uh, however I see its own tentacles operating within me, which makes sense. Like you're born into this world and you're enculturated by this world. You're indoctrinated. From the time I was zero, I was being bombarded with the messages of, of the single of indifference. So naturally it's going to literally be part of my mental makeup and the spiritual path through that lens could be seen as a process of, of deprogramming. All that, all that junk software <laughs> inside of us. But um, nonetheless, however much it is operating within me, there's no possibility I could go back to sleep, as it's called. I was asleep for the first 18 years of my life and the alarm clock went off upon being exposed to a book that opened my eyes. And since that time, I have a light Turned on inside of me, and there's I could no more deny that light than I could cut off my own head. It's just who I am, and the drive to know and to seek, and to evolve, to serve is just way too strong. Whether or not I had ever encountered the law of one, I would still be walking a path and making that effort uh, away from the sinkhole. I hope, but on a personal level. Um, Austin, how do you, do you see it
3: operating in your own life? Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, when you presented these questions to us over email, I interpreted this to be more general. Um, so I have sort of two angles of approach. Um, just really quickly to talk about generally, is there a way that it exerts influence on us? Um, basically I thought you were asking, does the single of indifference like pull people in? Is Like how does it keep us from escaping it? Um, So quickly to touch on that point, um, there's uh, one way I think is just that um, attitudes and behaviors are contagious. There's a, a really interesting book that I read a few years ago. It's called The Willpower Instinct by Kelly McGonigal. She's a psychologist and it's this examination of all the things that sort of inf- influence have influence over our ability to make choices to do certain things, particularly things that take discipline, um, such as if you're trying to lose weight, uh, adopt an exercise habit. Um, but I think it's relevant spiritually too, because Ra talks about the discipline of the personality. And I think that polarization does require some discipline. You have to dedicate yourself to making a choice in the face of a more comfortable option uh, elsewhere or a different option elsewhere. So um, in The Willpower Instinct, she talks about one of the primary influences over people's decision-making is their social circle and just how attitudes and behaviors can actually spread similarly to infectious diseases and how one of the easiest ways to help break a certain habit or to uh, adopt a certain discipline is to remove yourself from an environment in which people are actively working against that. Not even necessarily explicitly exerting pressure on you but just by their proximity, their attitudes become uh, easy to adopt for you uh, even in very unconscious ways. So I think that's one reason why the Sinkle of indifference becomes sort of like a gravity well where as it increases in gravity it becomes harder and harder to escape Um, and then another quick point before i talk about the ways that i'm failing at polarizing um where was the quote uh i can't i wrote down the specific quote but i can't find it right now but rod does talk about how as uh somebody polarizes and starts making choices, there is uh, an opposite force of, I think they use the word temptation, I think that'll help find it, temptation. Yeah, they said, um, when a distortion uh, within a, the positive entity, uh, which may be negatively connotated, is affected, this calling of the negative polarity occurs. Uh, In addition, the light of which we have spoken, emanating from attempts to be of service to others in a fairly clear and lucid sense, is another type of calling that it represents that which requires balance by temptation. So apparently, whenever we do make a calling to be of service to others and make the choice to be of service to others, there is a... balancing that happens where we are met with the opposite temptation is how I interpret what I was saying this is in um, 90.3 and uh, so that I feel like is an interesting influence on the uh, sinkhole of indifference where like if somebody does begin to claw their way out of it they are met with this sort of opposite uh, attraction that they then have to overcome in order to actually get out of it. And as for ways that I see it affecting my own life, um, I think if you really examined my life and then listened to this podcast, you'd think I just am a huge hypocrite because you know talking about where our clothes come from, I'm wearing clothes right now that I don't even know the country that they come from, uh, let alone have any familiarity with who might have made them or the processes that go into that. Um, things like uh, the food that I eat. I try to be as ethical as possible. I have some general guidelines but you know, without it consuming your entire life, there's only so much you can do to know about where your food is coming from and still have time to uh, live your life in other ways. Um, I really enjoy big popcorn blockbuster movies. I really enjoy um, binging on certain TV shows. Uh, I do feel like there are those sorts of things offer opportunity for spiritual reflection like I particularly like those things in terms of how it reflects cultural uh, progression cultural values I like thinking about where these things came from and not just sort of sitting back and relaxing but at the same time I think that a lot of them are designed to sort of trap us into thinking that we're feeling something and that we're feeling something significant and um, uh, The final thought I have for that question is that, while this might sound like an excuse, um, Ra talked about the necessity for polarizing being for service to others, 51% service to others. And there's some debate about what that percentage means, but I think there's a reason that it is just 51%. Um, You know, I think trying to dedicate Uh, Everything we do in our lives, trying to be so conscious about our lives that every single aspect is bent towards consideration of service to others would be so utterly exhausting that it just wouldn't be possible in an environment like this. And so I think we can give ourselves a little bit of leeway so long as we're not using that extra 49% that we supposedly have in terms of polarization to excuse bad behavior or excuse our desire to remain asleep and comfortable. I think that it's uh, necessary for us to realize that we can't be perfect beings here and we have to give ourselves some, um, some slack sometimes. That's it for me.
0: Uh, yeah, sorry, I didn't clarify the actual intent of in that question, but thanks for covering both
2: bases. You did it well. Um, Jim. Yeah, I think the sinkhole of indifference has a couple of different uh, ways it can affect me or anybody, actually. Um, for one, it gives us a whole lot of chances to be of service to other people because there's so much um, separation and confusion and need going on. People are just uh, not certain about what they should do. I think that's one of the reasons that people hang on to old ideas so tenu- you know, uh, intensely, because they're not really sure of what direction they should go. They know that it does seem to be a time of change, and we need to be making changes. But where do we go? And if we don't have something that is as uh, secure a feeling as what we had, then we hold on to what we had. So, Ross suggested that there are a lot of people, uh, they said they were doubly activated bodies that are incarnating now because there are so many chances to be of service now. And in fact, they said it was a, uh, a great privilege to be allowed this early in incarnation, as there is much experiential catalyst and service to other selves at this harvesting. So, um, other entities that have already made the third, the third to fourth instant graduation on other planets are coming here and incarnating early to help out because we are so confused. We're so uh, uh, angry and doubtful and separated. So I think that we, and especially in the area of now of the, the pandemic and the uh, demonstrations for racial equality, there's so many ways uh, that we can find to be of service, uh, donating to causes, uh, uh, supporting people um, spiritually, uh, envisioning um lights surrounding them and so forth um and i think the other way that it affects me is it seems like it's going the other direction but not really Uh, don talked about the um disassociation from uh, many of our kind in this particular density that uh, ross suggested that the adept is uh not really disassociating from. other selves, but they're looking for the heart of the self, trying to associate with the heart of all other selves and disassociation only from the illusory husks, which prevent the adept from correctly perceiving the self and other self as one. So I think it's, it looks like two directions, but I think it's actually one direction in a more practical sense and the direction of service to others by doing whatever you can to help out. And then the other one is service to others by seeming to separate yourself, but what you're really wanting to do is to find that balance of love and wisdom within your being that provides you an avenue of serving metaphysically, not maybe so practically, but in a metaphysical sense, so that if you can envision um, a world of unity, like Ross suggested that Many people are attempting the healing of the planet by visualization and attempting to see how this whole mess (laughs) can be unified as one great moment of inspiration, perhaps, in 6512s, where we make this choice because something has pushed us. We've gotten so traumatically moved in uh, so many directions that what do we do? And something deep inside, maybe it's the creator, that still small voice that says... Get together, do it as one, point the needle. Um, so those are my two feelings. Um, uh, one practical and one metaphysical. Thanks, Jim. Aaron, do you see this in your life?
0: Um, I
1: sure do. <laughs> it's frustrating. Um there's there's really two big, big ways I see the sinkhole and difference strong up in my life. Um and kind of like a longer arc, like looking back, surveying my life, I, I can see that my whole life I've really resonated with like, um, spiritual impulses, uh, the spiritual path and, you know, either communities or sources of, you know, teachings that, that really ground those. Um, and even though I have, had so much resonance with that path which, which i would you know i would definitely say represents the positive path a really ded- a real strong dedication to the positive path um there's some part of me that's just like boring <laughs> like i just <laughs> i see myself being like nah i'm gonna pass on that like i see myself like passing it up like passing up opportunities where i could have you know just sort of dedicated myself uh, earlier on to different you know, to different opportunities for spiritual service and spiritual dedication. Um, and I just, I can see that I chose to sort of stay in the, uh, I apologize for the pejorative, but the the muggle world, you know, just like, I just really, I'm so enthralled by uh, mainstream culture and by, I don't know, there's some part of me that just really wants to be in the, in the thick of the carnival or something like that. <laughs> And it confuses me, you know, it's long confused me. And, it, and I, feel, I feel sadness sometimes that I don't find the will to make the choice to, to uh, live a quieter, kind of more um, directly spiritually focused life. Um, and I don't know if any of you know anything about the Enneagram system of uh, personality typing, but I'm a seven in the Enneagram system. And it's, uh, it's called the Adventurer or the Epicure and uh, it's a type that really enjoys lots of different experiences. Likes to taste the buffet of you know of the life, and I really uh, that really sums me up. I really just like to have lots of different experiences. I really enjoy, um, you know, all the different flavors that our world has to offer. And so I find myself kind of perpetually uh, mesmerized by the drama of life and the drama of Earth mm. <laughs> reality. And um, you know, and I feel. Again, I feel sort of like I feel some self-judgment that I, you know, that I haven't making made the choice, even though I've been given the opportunity. Uh, I haven't made the choice to to kind of leave it behind and be more aesthetic and be more um, spiritually focused. Um, so that's one manifestation of it. The other one is uh, more day to day, and it relates to the to the Epicure personality type. Uh, I enjoy flavors and i uh i enjoy taste and i i find myself overindulging pretty regularly uh in in you know the and like coffee and alcohol and just you know things that stimulate the body complex um in enjoyable ways and i know that that doesn't help i know that the you know the way that some of the ways that i have patterns uh that aren't so healthy i've known for a long time that they don't really serve my evolution and yet, still, I make these choices, and it uh, it is a source of great frustration for me, and uh, and a fair amount of sorrow. Um, but I seem to have my own gravity well of you know of poor habits that uh, I just continue to cycle in, and uh, I, I have a sense that if I was just to really assert my will, uh, that I could make you know significant changes there. And uh, you know, sometimes I just find my will spread out across all the seeming necessities of life and tending to family life and uh, parenting and work life and uh, you know, studying and researching and all these different things. And uh, so, uh, so sometimes I feel like I spread myself too thin and I don't, I don't always uh, prioritize what I feel like my higher nature knows is, the, is the, the heart of the path, the spiritual path. It's so meaningful to me. And I allow myself to remain distracted in a variety of ways. Uh, so those are the two ways that I find that I find myself getting caught up in the sinkhole of indifference. And I want to make a plug here for just sort of some compassion for my own experience. And I think there's a lot of people who who get drawn into the carnival. And uh, just make a broader comment about this topic. And it's that um, you know our desire for community. Our desire for connection, our desire to be a part of it, to be a part of Earth life, to be a part of like what our, you know, what our people are up to. Um, well, if if what they're up to is isn't necessarily positively polarizing, if it is the sinkhole, it doesn't mean we don't we still don't want to be a part of it. And um, it's kind of a paradox because, um, I mean, I think it's this is especially true for wanderers. Uh, if you're a wanderer, you've come to be of service, to be of aid, to lift the planetary vibration, to hopefully bring some level of, uh, you know, kind of, you know, higher, higher vibrational uh, radiation and um, maybe some of the signatures of your home density and uh, provide a positive example. And uh, maybe you have a mission, you know, on Earth to do some specific work. Um, and all that, you know, may express as, uh, as a spiritual, you know, spiritual life or sp- strong dedication to spirituality, but we've also come to, to really be an earthling and to be a part of the, the earth collective and it's a, it's a challenge because, um, you know, how do you immerse yourself and really embed yourself in your relationships in your community uh, in a way that's really, that's really genuine uh, and, and authentic and, um, and not reject it because it's so materially focused or because it's so distracted or because, you know, it's so caught up in comfort seeking and all these things. And so, yeah, I just, I kind of just feel some deep, um, compassion for myself and for, and for anybody who in their heart of hearts wants to be making a contribution, wants to be polarizing positively and, uh, you know, living the best and most uh, most helpful life that they can, but also finds themselves really enamored by uh, the the conditions of earth and all the, you know, what I'm calling the carnival. Um, I think it's a fine line to walk, and it's not one that I've solved, but I find myself walking in nonetheless, and I think we all do, and to one degree or another.
0: I think that a lot of listeners are going to resonate with what you just said was encapsulated a lot very well and insightfully and uh, spoke to me particularly uh, I love your use of the word mesmerized I see the same in me and what you said specifically regarding repeating patterns that you know aren't in your best interest but nonetheless you repeat um, in in struggling or navigating that balance between the Epicurean in you, the love of things versus um, maybe the need to not indulge for greater purpose. And for me, uh, caffeine and alcohol are two of them. And I, it is not that the world or some spiritual standard says that do not indulge in caffeine and alcohol for they are bad for you. Rather, it's just that the way I use them, it's the imbalance way I use them, then precludes, in my own experience, the deeper work that I would also really like to do. And it's a matter, you use the word prioritizing. It's a matter of prioritizing. And I have yet, at 40 years old, to refine that down to a fine art. We have our next... Question is has been touched on by all three of you, so but I'll ask it and see if you have um, anything else you might like to add. And the question is about is to tap your your minds and hearts to see if you have any thoughts about how one, either an individual or planet Earth, however you want to tackle it, overcomes this gravity well. And it occurred to me during this podcast that the movie Groundhog Day is something of an allegory for the sinkhole of indifference because probably most everybody's seen it. Um, In the movie, Bill Murray repeats the same day over and over and nothing he does um, can make the day end and the next day begin he just loops back to the start of the same day and so uh he has fun with it (laughs) um and lets himself get uh loose until finally something in him clicks and he starts behaving ethically and whereas before he had been a rather self-centered selfish person who didn't care about other people he started to improve himself he started learning skills he started he found ways that he could help other people in his day um you know and uh, uh, some old some elderly women were in their car they had a flat tire and he fixed it for them and i forget other examples but and then finally he opens his heart. He falls in love with Andy McDowell and uh, he humbly, respectfully courts her. And through that final initiation, then he wakes up into the new day. So I thought, wow, that is uh, an amazing um metaphor for the chronic repetition for people who are stuck in in the sinkhole you know, unable to make the effort but it's only when they make the effort specifically to open the heart to become an ethical person that they can then move out of that chronic repetition and finally real quickly uh andy Sandberg made a variation on this it's on hulu it's called uh, palm springs except in his case it, he's more like <laughs> what Aaron described as the the sinkhole of bliss. He's found the repeating. He's found a way to make the repeating day work for him, and he just <laughs> enjoys himself and and uh, drinks and does fun things. Uh, but it's a great rom com if interested. So, uh, Jim, Austin, Aaron, Jim, what do you think? Any way to overcome this gra- It's gravity well that you haven't already addressed. Um.
2: I don't think we'll ever overcome it. (laughs) I don't think anything really should be overcome, but I think there's some things we can do to help out. Um, Free will, though, is important to always keep in mind. But I think that if we can try to imagine what people are feeling and needing that we come in contact with on a daily basis, Even if it's just a little hello, how you doing? Or uh, can I help you with those groceries and get them into your car? Or uh, can I take you someplace? um, Look at whatever presents itself to you. Like, you know, Ross says there are no accidents. I really believe that. I think that uh, whatever we're doing in our daily round of activities, we can probably find some way that is of service to others. And, um, and give it, whatever it might be. And it could be anything. Uh, it could be something big or something small. Um, like I said, just a wave or a howdy. Um, Ra apparently had that problem with the, the, uh, those of Ra who did not, well, those of Venus who did not graduate. They said that, well, they wanted to sleep. So all we could do was give them the convenience for sleeping. And if that's all they want, then that's what you give them. Because service is only a service when it is asked for, or it is needed, it's wanted. You you hear it from them, not that you're trying to impose it on them. It's that you're trying to do what they want. So I don't think that it's really clear to me exactly what the great majority of people say in this country or this state or this city. Well, I don't know if there is a majority opinion, but I think there are a lot of... Um, opportunities that if you really want to be of service uh you could just open your heart in the moment and do what the moment asks
0: oh excellent points particularly ra's reflection on how they as polarized beings related to the unpolarized and their third density experience um, aaron what do you think
1: yeah the um we, the, here in the Asheville Law of One Study group, we have been talking about this um, concept of essence. Uh, and I think that is relevant to my response. I, essence in this context um, is like um, the definition of it would be, um, you know, we, we're all manifestations of the one infinite creator. And so the love and the light that uh, moves through us and that radiates forth from us is the same source. But each of us, it seems like each of us have a particular, you know, unique uh, theme or um, curiosity or talent or gift that is, uh, you know, is the creator seeking, uh, to have a unique experience of itself, and um, there seems to be a lot of there at least here in our conversations. There seems to be a lot of power in um, contemplating um, this, and um, and really bringing it into our into our spiritual practices. Through, it's almost like in some ways it's the opposite of striving to be, you know, seen as a spiritual person or like the opposite of striving to conform to some spiritual system um, and instead surrendering into the heart of the self. And I know that's something that Ra speaks of as well, the heart, seek the heart of the self. Um, and it, it feels like the, that if we can learn to sort of like uh, be brave enough to let go of what society tells us we should be or how it should look, how our lives should look and instead learn to trust more and more in like what truly brings us alive, what truly brings us joy, what truly, you know, brings, brings, you know, opens our heart that begins to point to our own unique essence and our unique gift. And I think if we, if we practice that regularly, it can kind of, uh, chart a map of our own personal spiritual journey um, that is natural and organic and un- unique to each one of us. Um, and uh, I think when I like when I when I come in contact with people who I would say are really connected to their essence and are really shining forth the light of the Creator, but in a unique in a way that's unique to them, like these are people who I feel the most inspired by. Um, and I find that there's a really infectious quality to being around people who have um, made the effort to uh, allow themselves to be their true selves. Um, and it's funny because, you know, the advice that this kind of gets can be summed up with is, you know, just be yourself, which is so trite. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's such an overused, uh, uh, you know, kind of, uh, notion, but it's so deeply powerful. Um, I think it can really be powerful to, uh, to, instead of, you know, trying to find a, 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 you know, a kind of, uh, predefined path or, uh, you know, join up with someone who's, you know, who says they have it all figured out and then really try to conform to some external system of spiritual seeking. To instead allow one's spiritual journey to be guided by the inner light and the um, the sense of like what is true uh, for me in terms of like what really brings me alive, like when do I feel like the most connected to life and to the Creator, um, and to identify that is our own, you know, it's it's our essence, and to be brave enough to cultivate that and to um, you know surrender to that more and more. I think that can help us personally uh, make strides, make progress and, you know, escape the sinkhole of indifference. And I also think when we do that, it, um, I think it can be really service to other it, and it's paradoxical because it seems like, you know, you could get really caught up in yourself, you know, by taking this advice. But I really think that when people um, cultivate themselves to the point where they really are radiating the love and the light of the creator, in their own unique way, I do think that's a service to others, and I think it's a service to others that's sustainable. You know, I think um, I think there there can be kind of a, a a trap in the notion that well, if I just do enough to help other people, that if we strive for that um, in a way that may not is maybe it's not super authentic or something, maybe it's just from some outside idea that this is what a spiritual path should look like. You know, I think there's just a lot of danger in burning out or not being able to sustain that kind of service. But if we find service to others uh, in a way that is truly and authentically joyful, because it's really just us being our authentic selves, we found our you know, individual channel to the creator, to our source, and allow that to be what moves us, um, I think that can be a, a tremendous amount of service to the world.
0: Gratitude to that, to the Ashford Law of One study group for fostering that discussion. That was uh, well shared. Thank you, Aaron. Uh, mm-hmm. Austin.
3: Yeah, there's not much, much I can add. I can add a little bit of my own perspective, but to both Jim and Aaron's responses, it seems like the crux of it is uh, it's the same question as how can we best serve others, um, mm-hmm. but to turn the lens sort of towards the concept of what we've been talking about, and I referenced earlier, that I think we're experiencing collective traumas because of sort of a state of our collective in which we, are, we need to polarize Fourth density is supposedly upon us and is going to keep calling us and calling us to make a choice as a collective Um, until we choose to do so as a collective. And so my perspective that has been relevant for me lately is that I do believe that these sort of collective traumas uh, might continue in various ways. And the best thing that we can do in terms of contributing to how the collective orients towards these traumas would be to really consider how we're relating to other people in the midst of these. What has really come up for me in the past six months or so, or really past few years, is um, how we as collective bubbles of culture relate to other collective bubbles of culture. And it seems like there's a growing resentment and a growing, um, difficulty in relating to people who we don't see eye to eye with. And Ra talks about compassion being the salvation of third density. And so I think the best thing that we can do in the midst of these moments of great collective disharmony and disagreement in the face of a catalyst that we're all sharing is to consider where compassion is and how we're relating to those people that we don't see eye to eye with. Uh, in the midst of these traumas, because I think these traumas are essentially happening for us to do that. They're offering us an opportunity to serve others directly, but also offering an opportunity for us to examine how we as a collective relate to each other. And we each individually have a way that we can orient to others within that collective uh, with compassion, rather than frustration, resentment, and ire. And things like that. So um, that's how I think we could probably best address this sinkhole of indifference. Thank you, Austin.
0: Yeah, I consider on one hand that say wanderers specifically are incarnate on planet Earth for a couple reasons. One, They are responding to a call. A call was being emitted from this planet, which said, in distilled form, help. So they came to meet that need as best they could. The highest form of which is, as Aaron described, uh, you know, becoming who and what you truly are, identifying your essence, embodying that, surrendering to that. At the same time, uh, as Jim described, one can only serve to the extent that it is requested. And as Ra described of their own third density experience, they said, for those uh, essentially interested in sleep, all that we could offer were the comforts of sleep. Uh, But wanderers are here at the same time to try to model the positive polarity, to remind others, to awaken others, if at all possible, to increase the harvest, and to affect the planetary outcome, to tilt the balance. And how does one do that? And like Austin said, it, it comes down to a question of what is the best way to serve others? Like examining that question is at the heart, I think, of the question I just asked, how, how to increase the positive polarity, how to help. Shine light where it may be, I don't know, deficient or blocked. Um, but in in asking myself the question of how one reaches other people, there's so much, as Austin described earlier, commitment to dogmatic ideology. There's so much armoring, um, so so much lack of curiosity, and obviously, there's no one size fits all answer but it must somehow include love and compassion whether passively radiated or whether through outward action and demonstration and aaron i'm going to put you on the spot for a moment you and i had a phone conversation a little bit ago and you damn i forget your exact words you said, we, I think we were in t- talking about this enculturation and um, the people's conditioning operating in them, but you were like highlighting how, nevertheless, the, the heart within knows or is capable of cutting through that, the noise of that conditioning. Does that ring a bell? And if so, can you elaborate on it anymore?
1: Um, I wish I wish I could recall which conversation you're referring to. Yeah, so far it doesn't. I'm not exactly.
0: <laughs> All right. I don't
1: have enough to go on.
0: It was a swing. Okay, then, everybody ready to move on to our final focus? Already. Okay, so, oh, quick dot. Aaron was describing patterns, repeating patterns, knowing that. Let's say he would prefer uh, maybe an alternate version of those patterns. There's a Ra quote real quick where Ra describes how the more polarized an entity is the more, quote, power and awareness that they have. And then Ra says, those truly helpless are those who have not consciously chosen, but who repeat patterns without knowledge of the repetition or meaning of the pattern. So I think bringing awareness to our patterns is already half the battle if one wants to conceive of it that way. So we, according to the Confederation sources, are in a time of planetary transition. There's a new world that wants to be born and is being born. And that new world is being born on a planet where presumably the vast majority of people are committed to non-commitment are committed to not making a choice so question to the group let's start with aaron is can you draw a line between the phenomenon of the sinkhole and the harvest
1: boy that's a it's a great question um and i do think there's a lot there's a lot here for me um the first thing that i'll i'll just start with this point um Something that's been very uh, on my mind and and kind of very uh, it's a very inward personal kind of uh reflection about these two um, so I subscribe to Ra's uh, indications of where we're at as a planetary collective and and this notion of um, harvest and you know the shift of densities and <clears throat> you know, as I came in contact with that notion, it just resonated really deeply within me. Um, I find myself very excited by, uh, like deeply, deeply moved and excited by um, the significance of this this event. And, um, you know, I very much want to support it in whatever ways I can. Like, I just feel like a lot of resonance with like, yes, I want to help. Um, And so it was surprising to me then to, discover within myself like and this is pretty recent like maybe in the last six months it occurred to me like um well where am i not ready to let go of their density like what what attachments do i have to third density what what where am i actually counter to myself because you know consciously i think of myself as somebody who um i'm excited about a harvest i want to aid in the harvest um you know i want to see the plant succeed I want as many entities to to harvest um, as you know as possible, and so I you know I think of myself consciously as somebody who's really behind this this impulse and this momentum that we're, that's underway, and then to sort of realize like wait there's actually there's actually parts of me that are still clinging to their density there's parts of me that are still uh, you know um, kind of maybe stuck in the past or something, and. Um, Yeah, that was sort of a surprising insight uh to have and so ever since that's that came in i've been um just trying to be with that question and be with that process and um you know allow uh, myself the space to have uh you know kind of like a mourning of what what we're letting go of what we're moving away from you know the era that is ending um and um, I, I suspect that at least part of that um, mourning, you know, is the, the sinkhole of indifference itself. Perhaps um, the uh, you know the, the the places within me that I resist change, the places within me that I resist transformation, the very the very things that we've been talking about uh, in the, in in this conversation about um, you know what gets us stuck and, you know, how does stuckness happen and how do, you know, patterns repeat? And so, um, yeah, which is one parallel between the sinkhole of indifference and harvest is, um, it, you know, it's ending one way or another. <laughs> the, the, uh, the third density on planet Earth uh, is ending, you know, Ross says, somewhere between, you know, now-ish to another 700 years. Um, my intuition tells me, it won't be 700 years. I suspect it'll be less than 100. It might be some high of 40-ish years in my mind, but um, it is seems seems to be coming to an end one way or another. No matter no matter what choice the souls make, uh, eventually there will be a, a closing of the window. And um, yeah, to, despite all my excitement about that, I guess I it was surprised to learn how much you know sort of sadness there is there too, and attachment and resistance to change. And you know we're complex beings, and um, I have spaciousness for that. But um, but I'm just trying to attend to uh, the full emotionality and the full uh, kind of implications of the profundity of what we're going through. So that that's that's my contribution to start.
0: This this practice of being with, attending to, is something very strongly embodied in the Asheville group. And it's something I feel an upgrade I receive when I'm in contact with that energy. Thank you for sharing, Aaron. Um, Austin.
3: I feel like what I said in my last response is probably uh, relevant to this as well, that um, I think the harvest is increasing the op- uh, potentials for things to create catalyst in our lives. And, you know, uh, like Aaron said, it's coming, it's inevitable. The train's leaving the station. And I think that this sort of mismatch between where we are as a people, which seems to be mostly stuck in the sinkhole of indifference and where the planet is trying to be, which is in positively, fourth, positively polarized fourth density. Um, I think that's causing a lot of the difficulties that we're experiencing, both on a sort of environmental scale, in a sense, and in a social, political, cultural scale. So um, one relevant thought I had is even if we don't believe in Raw's accounting for the coming of fourth density and harvest, and um, it's not inevitable, I do think we're at a point of inevitability right now. Uh, let's say you are a materialist and you don't believe in the sort of system that Ra describes, Uh, we're still at a point where if we don't find a way to unify our thought, cultural thoughts, our societal thoughts, our orientations, then it seems like the only conclusion there is that we're headed for some sort of um, pretty wide-scale destruction, but uh, you know, I do believe in what Ross says about the inevitability of harvest, and so um, hopefully that will help to mitigate what could be a destruction. Just and te- it forces us uh, to um, really grasp the thread. And you know, there's the mechanism of the people who are in the sinkhole of indifference. Eventually, will stop incarnating, and uh, on Earth, anyways, and then will continue their journeys on other planets. Um, So I guess that's a final thought is that if you are worried or sad about people who are in that sinkhole of indifference needing not being here on earth anymore, um, you know, it's an infinite journey for all of us. We've all probably taken uh, innumerable lifetimes to get where we are right now, and um, everybody will take however much time they need to get there. And I guess that's pretty much it. As Ross said,
0: there is no lack of space-time in which this catalyst may work, meaning third density. Um, Thanks, Austin. Jim?
2: Yeah. um, Pretty much does look like the uh, sinkhole of indifference has got so much momentum that uh, we'll have a small harvest of positive and even smaller of negative. And most uh, will go to another planet to repeat to third density. Um, And as you just said, Gary, uh, there is no lack of time in which these lessons can be learned. I think it's important, uh, in any traumatic situation to remember that there's a reason for everything that happens and that there are no mistakes. It, uh, will benefit you eventually to go through whatever you're going through that, um, all will be well, all is well. Uh, these are the foundation stones i think for the law of one and we need to recall them from time to time to uh, give us the inspiration that we work within these boundaries that all is well that all is one that all will work out Uh, we just have to keep doing it and realize that this is a way that the creator gets to know itself through our experience And in one way or another this is the way we get to know the creator through this experience of interacting with the various portions of the creator that don't seem to know they are portions of the creator and if we can begin to see the creator in all these entities and everybody in ourselves then this is the most that we can do and and this is appropriate this is well all is well and all will be well
0: thank you jim and to the listener we are Uh, About to wrap up here and my portion will include reading a couple quotes. So if you want to end right now on Jim's hopeful note, by all means, you're welcome. (laughs) You won't (laughs) miss too much. So... Regarding how uh, the, the connection between the phenomena of the sinkhole and the harvest, um, Austin highlighted how the harvest is kind of exacerbating pre-existing sinkhole-esque conditions here on the ground. And um, I've seen it noted accurately how the coronavirus pandemic has, is having that effect on our own society. Right now, all the flaws that had been there underlying are now even more magnified and creating even more suffering and tension and difficulty. So that one specific event can be something of a microcosm in a limited way for the way that harvest is operating on our present condition. Things are are being um, made all the more visible and revealed as like the chief characteristic, I think, of fourth density is revealed information, revealed self. And uh, one outcome or effect of that revelation is mental disease. In 4015, Ross says that the great number of entities with the so-called mental diseases being due to the effect of this green ray true color, you know, the fourth density light, upon the mental configurations of those unready mentally to face the self for the first time. In the next Q&A, they say, it is the numbers who have distracted themselves and failed to prepare for this transition, yet who are somewhat susceptible to its influence, who may be affected. So, selves are unready in this revealed light to face themselves as well and can create significant mental disturbance within themselves and it's like awesome was comparing the materialist perspective versus the law of one perspective and thank god in my own personal world i have the Luxury and benefit of the law of one's perspective, because if I didn't have that and saw the world only through the prism of the news and tried to map out a trajectory based on events that are transpiring, I might be a nihilist or a a cynic and I might uh, be depressed and I I might be have an even harder time living but thanks to the law of one and what my own heart of course tells me is true i know that all the difficult things are symptoms of a larger uh, eventual healing and transformation and new birth that there is a ultimately a positive trajectory here to a world of of love and light and then finally to close um well i'll check back in with the other guys but I wanted to read a couple of quotes. <clears throat> One comes from February twenty-six, two thousand seventeen. Quo uh, Quo is describing the the factors of of um, the sinkhole, and they say the factors, or the questioner was asking that I should say the factors which you mention, which are at this time inhibiting or retarding the, pros- the process, are those factors which can indeed be expressed as anger. And can also be expressed as fear and can also be expressed as a kind of denial or refusal as mind body spirit complexes become more and more intuitively aware that something is being required of them at this time that the universe essentially vibrates in expectation of the making of their choice and the longer that they put off the making of this choice The longer they refuse the call to the making of the choice, the more delayed will the transition be up to the point that it is no longer possible to resist the overwhelming character of the new energies that beckon. And we will say with some sorrow that there will be at that point a weeping and a wailing and a gnashing of teeth on the part of those who feel that they have not succeeded in their mission, which they had hoped to render uh, prior to the incarnation. And Quo says, we would not characterize the future of these mind-body spirits as being one of condemnation for new opportunities to enact the drama of choosing will be given to them. And then finally, this quote, it is Ra at one point in the contact described a maelstrom, M-A-E-L, strom of third density. And in questioning about it, Quo, January 25 of this year, 2020, said the maelstrom, which each of the repeating third density groupings has brought with them. So all the repeat third density populations now on this planet that came from elsewhere is a kind of, shall we say, catastrophic non loving experience that has an infective or infection quality. That seems for many to grow more potent as each additional effort to polarize sufficiently for fourth-density graduation fails Thus the wanderers who offer themselves in service to this planet and its variety of repeating populations Realize they are incarnating into a storm a consciousness storm of failure a storm of retribution a storm of the desire to move out of the sinkhole In which they find themselves and yet find the movement to be nearly impossible The reason this maelstrom has the sinkhole quality of drawing these entities into it is that there is the continued failure to put forth the necessary effort to make progress on the spiritual path. This creates a kind of inner turmoil, which is reflected outwardly for each entity so that there is a cumulative increase in exponential terms for the confusion, doubt, anger, fear, and so forth that form the emotional framework for such entities. The wanderers are well aware of this type of negative magnetism, shall we say, that there is a drawing unto this storming condition by the entities who have experienced it so many times within that or other third density experiences. Thus, the wanderer realizes that there is a kind of momentum working against them as they seek to be of service to those who are the victims of this momentum, the maelstrom that has long been a part of their spiritual journey. So before I ask Jim to close us out with an inspiring thought, do you guys have any further reflections to offer?
1: I have a short, brief, brief piece I'd love to throw in here. Go for it. Um, I just, I love the, the possibility that I see that as earth, you know, moves into fourth density and, and becomes a social memory complex. And clarifies its will, and 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 chooses how it will uh, be of service in the greater uh, community of uh, kind of becoming a sort of special ops agent for uh, for planets such as Earth has been is experiencing and has experienced in their density for you know the planets that are going through uh, an experience of a strong. Uh, you know, uh, stuckness or uh, sinkhole of indifference. I I love the idea of Earth, uh, fourth density, as it when it joins the Confederation, being sort of a, having special uh, or unique insight into it, since it's had such a seemingly intense experience of that condition, having you know made it through. Uh, I just have I hold the vision that maybe that's one of the specializations of when we when we take on the role of confed- confederation membership that we may be able to travel through the universe and aid other planets who are having similar uh, challenges and difficulties as Earth's. And uh, the other thing that tickles me to imagine is that uh, perhaps we've moved, we've swung the pendulum, the logos has swung the pendulum from sinkhole of bliss to sinkhole of indifference, both experiences having a sort of retarded effect in third density. Uh, and just imagining that the logos itself is an evolving uh, manifestation of the creator becoming more and more refined in its capacity to call Mm. a galactic and solar game in a way that is more and more effective. And so, you know, next time around, uh, this Logos creates a universe, it may uh, be informed, of course, it will be informed by this experience and maybe there'll be even more conducive conditions to have, uh, you know, uh, relevantly challenging, Third density experience, but also very successful in terms of their harvests. And I just, uh, I love to vision the in, in, in along these lines.
0: To your your second uh, thought in theory, I, if there were a Logova complaint box, I would definitely submit a ticket <laughs> about <laughs> conditions down here on the ground. And to the first, I think that thought definitely holds water because Ra described how their fourth density was it for. They, they yeah, accelerated rapidly through fourth density because of the compassion that they had gained in third density, but they were slow in fifth density because that compassion of third density was relatively uninformed. It was naive, also part of their own missteps when attempting to serve this planet. Point being, the the self that they molded and shaped in their own third density absolutely carried forward into their subsequent higher density experiences ergo what we have learned here in this laboratory of planet Earth third density can indeed be carried for carried forward into special ops operations uh, Austin, any further thoughts? Um, I don't think so. All right. Well, listener, we hope that your ears do not, are not in a condition of pain right now. This is probably, I'm pretty sure it's our longest podcast yet. Jim, would you like to close us out with an inspiring thought?
2: Well, I would like for all of us to remember that we are all one, even though it seems separation is so real at this time on this planet. If you'd like to break free of any of those aspects of the sinkhole of indifference within you, open your heart in unconditional love to yourself and then to everyone you meet and know that we love you and appreciate the heart of your own being, which is the one infinite creator.
0: You have been listening to LL Research's The Law of One podcast. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can find more from LL Research at llresearch.org and bringforth.org. Thank you so much for listening and supporting this podcast. A very special thank you to Aaron Merritt for carving time out of his life to join us today. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Aaron. If you've got a question or topic you'd like for us to discuss, please read the instructions at llresearch.org/podcasts. We love you all, and we'll talk with you next time.